body. Welcome to Aetherius Radio Live, the hour of truth with Richard Lawrence and Christy Blaze. Well, a warm welcome to Sirius Radio Live, brought to you on Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, every third Tuesday of the month. A Sirius Radio Live invites you to discover the fascinating truth about karma, life on other planets, the Mother Earth, the New World, the Next Master, and much more, which were revealed through Dr. George King between 1954 and 1997. Today's host, Chrissy Blaze will be interviewed by Zesha Presley about spiritual master in the Aquarian age. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to this, so without further ado, I'll give you Chrissy Blaze and Zesha Presley. Thank you very much, Noemi. We're pleased to have you back on the show as a producer, Noemi Bates, uh, because at the moment Richard Lawrence, the co-host here, and Nikki Parrott, the producer, are away. So we have a new team with uh, Noemi and with Sasha Brasili, both of, both of you from the European headquarters in London, and Zasha, also a student of astrology, as am I, because mm-hmm. today's show is going to be talking about Dr. George King, whom we often talk about on this show almost every month, but also from a slightly different perspective, from the perspective of, of astrology. And um, following on also from the last show, which was a very, very interesting show about the next master and uh, the relationship with our master, Dr. George King. And Richard Lawrence did talk about the fact that um, had he come, had he already come, there would have at that time been a a sorting uh, and so on. And please do listen to that show if you haven't heard it. It was a very fascinating show. Well, I happened to be listening to one of uh, Dr. King's lectures a few days later, The Devic Kingdom, which is an absolutely fantastic lecture, available on CD and download. And he mentioned that something I hadn't sort of heard before, that, um, lo- the, that the date of the coming of the Great One to Earth should have been on February the 4th and 5th, 1962, one of those two days, a very famous planetary configuration at the time, when six planets plus the moon uh, that's seven planets, if you like, were aligned in the sign of Aquarius. So he gave an exact date of when the next master would have come, but of course our master came, and by doing so, as Richard said, he bought us time, a very, very precious time in which we could continue to evolve. And uh, so, Zasha, do you want to um, yeah. uh, welcome uh, to the show? Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, hello, Chrissy. So so wonderful to be here um, on the first Aetherius Radio live show interviewing you um, and uh, hearing the fascinating... Um the fascinating insights you have to share. Um, I'd forgotten completely about that um, that uh, lecture, about what you just mentioned, that it was mentioned in that lecture. So um, it's very interesting to hear uh, about that astrological alignment. Um, um, I, I've forgotten about that, so I'll have a listen to that again. <laughs> I know. I mean, Noemi and Sasha will agree that every time you listen to one of <laughs> Dr. King's lectures, you find out more and more that you somehow missed previously. I don't yes. know. It's so rich in information and wisdom. But anyway, this year is um, 
a very important year for the Assyria Society, as you heard previous shows. It's the centennial year of Dr. George King. And he was born on January the 23rd, 1919. So we are celebrating that by having lectures and classes and uh, radio shows around Dr. King and his great mission. And today, as I say, we're going to discuss, have an astrological perspective. We're going to discuss the ages in astrology and how avatars, great masters, have come during these times and at other critical times to assist us in our evolution. And Dr. Mm -hmm. George King, as you know, is one of those masters. He came at a very, very critical time. He was born, as I say, in 1919, and uh, his mission began in 1954. During this time, we were, we were literally on the brink of World War III, and World War I was supposed to be the war that ended all wars, you know, but of course it wasn't, followed closely by World War II. Mm. After that, insanity was still in the air, and superpowers were playing around with the atomic bomb, and then, of course, we had the atomic, uh, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, the Cuban Missile Crisis, and so on and so on. Mm. So this yeah. is a very, very dangerous time. Mm. Yeah. Christy, for, could you, um, for those listeners who may not know, um, could you explain what the ages represent uh, in astrology, which you're talking about? What does an age mean? Yeah, thank ages. you. Yeah. That's an important question. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the 12 ages, as I'm sure you know, um, correspond to the 12 signs of the zodiac from Aries to Pisces. And each age is one-twelfth of what a, a cycle called a great year. Now, in astrology, everything is cycles. Mm. Everything in life is cycles, actually. Mm. Uh, it's one-twelfth of a great year, which is 25,000 years. So each mm. age is approximately... 2,160 years in length. But the thing is, they go backwards through the zodiac. Normally, in astrology, we start with the sign of Aries in mm -hmm. March, end of March. Yes, um, and then we go through to the last sign of Pisces. Mm. But when we talk about the great, the ages in astrology, it's backwards. We start with the sign of Pisces, and we go mm. backwards through the signs. Uh, and the last age is Aries. Um, and I'll explain later why that's significant, why I think it's significant. And now, every age brings with it a different influence so that humanity can evolve because astrology is the um, study of the influence of the planets on human behavior. Mm. For example, when we were in the age of Gemini, some of you may remember, and I'm just joking, well, you actually might, since we believe in <laughs> having many lifetimes. It's approximately 6,000 to 4,000 BC. And Gemini, as you know, is actually associated with language and, and mm. communication. And this yeah. was a period when language was born and writing was developed, hmm. um, among many other things, of course. At the age of Taurus, which was the age after that, 4,000 to 2,000 approximately, it was a time of um, things like art flourished mm. and concepts like luxury, which weren't ever known about before, came into being. Um, the age of Aries, uh, 2000 to 1 AD, the one mm. before the last age, was rather a, a masculine, a, assertive, aggressive sign mm. when the Greeks and the Romans reigned. So, I mean, these are just small snippets of the things that happened and, and why. But the next age was very, very important to age to us, 
because it's the beginning of a, a great cycle, is the age of religion and faith and other things, and this current age, Aquarius. Now, the Aquarian age idea uh, entered our culture at the end of the 20th century, actually, um, and in esoteric circles, Madame Blavatsky referred to it, for example, and some other poets and thinkers and other occultists also referred to this age. But it, was, it wasn't really until the 1970s, and I remember this, but I know no Amy and Sasha won't, <laughs> that uh, many, this was um, the early 70s, many, actually I think it was about 68, I'm sorry, late 60s, many people first heard strains of um, a song called The Dawning of the Age of a Aquarius. Yeah, um, I do remember. I remember that actually. You do. <laughs> yeah. From the musical Hair. Yeah. And um, it's. I think some of the words. Well, I know some of the words. Well, peace will guide the planets, and love will steer the stars, and um, harmony, understanding, sympathy, and trust abounding. No more falsehoods or derisions. Gold and living dreams of visions, and the mind's mm. true liberation. Wonderful concepts, right? Mm. I'm sure you'll all agree. Mm. And this was like the theme tune of the hippies, the hippie culture in the 70s. And the word sort of embodies some of the qualities of Aquarius. Mm. And, um, of course, the, what, the hippie culture wasn't all great at all, but at least there was this kind of quest towards spiritual enlightenment, which really is not so prevalent today, unfortunately. It's just the few that seem to be drawn to that now, which is rather strange. But anyway, um, mm. even though it was a fleeting fashion, out of this era, the, really the foundations for the society had already been laid, of course, but out of this time period came uh, the generation of staff that helped the master in his mission and, for the most part, are actually still um, helping to run the society today. Mm. So it was an important time from that perspective as well. Mm. But to me, it always seems strange that um, in this time of excitement regarding spirituality, it seems to have faded and we're helping to change that right in favor of really everydayness i call it the materialism mm. which mm. binds us you know to the material world which was really so scorned by the hippies and it's mm. strange to me also because the aquarian age is a real event it's not just a lyric from a song so it will happen it will take its course kind of almost despite humanity and yeah. it carries great significance for our evolution and for a new uh, renaissance um and the masters, as I said, are always helping humanity, as we know, regular listeners know. But specifically at the beginning of each age, I believe, as we are now, and they come um, in compassion, in sacrifice, they introduce new concepts, new thought, new inventions, new approaches to spirituality in keeping with the age. Mm. Yeah, and it's already the age of Aquarius is, I mean, it's, it's, it's not quite fully there yet, but you can, it's very apparent already. I mean, you know, it, you can feel a lot of yeah. changes in the air, isn't it? Um, it's very interesting. And you mentioned the avatars that, that come at, at important times um, to, to herald in these ages. Um, can you tell the listeners about the Master Jesus who came to herald in the age of Pisces? Um, Yes, good question. Thank you, Zesha. He, <coughs> Master Jesus was born, as we uh, celebrate and we know in the Ethereal Society, on March the 15th, which is in the sign of Pisces, mm. uh, not December the 25th. This date was a pagan festival and was um, adopted by the elders of the church, I believe, in <coughs> 5050, 
and they decided to use this date as the birth of Jesus. It was already a, a pagan festival. They thought it would be, um, I suppose, maybe a, a good time because it was already being celebrated. But we celebrate the true birth date. And actually, many scholars believe now that he was born in the spring. Um, and astrologers also have speculated February or March. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it makes sense, absolute sense, that the master of the Piscean Age, which I believe he was, would be Pisces. Mm. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. And also, he was first known by the symbol of the two fish. Mm. And as you know, Zasha, that is uh, the symbol of Pisces, the two fish. Mm. Mm. And uh, Dr. George King, in, a, in one lecture, said, uh, when one Christian in Rome met another Christian in Rome, he would draw in the dust a fish. And if the other man drew a fish, he would know that he was a brother. But if the other man didn't draw a fish, then he would say nothing to him for fear mm-hmm. of losing his life. Because being yeah. a Christian at that time is very dangerous, of course. And then yeah. later, Christianity came to be known under the symbology of the cross. Mm. Not the crucifix, of course, but the cross, mm. um, an ancient symbol. But mm. there's also, interestingly, uh, a, an emphasis on washing of the feet. And again, um, mm. well, in, that's in Christianity, that's, yeah. as you know, that's um, ruled by Pisces, the feet. Yeah, yeah. And that was like a ritual signifying purification of the spirit. And also in in Pisces, there was a need for seclusion. And in Christianity, there was a value on retreats and monasteries and convents and so on. Mm -hmm. So uh, the Master Jesus came. His message, of course, was peace, compassion, love, service, oneness, and concepts astrologers do associate uh, with Pisces. And, and, you know, you may wonder, how did this message of peace and compassion get turned into the Crusades, you know, mm-hmm. and all the terrible things that happened um, since then? And I, I was thinking about that, uh, Sasha, and I think the answer, astrologically speaking, apart from looking at the history of humanity, astrological speaking it lies in the flip side of Pisces, which oh, is Pisces, yes, delusion, yeah, which is illusion. fear, yeah, yeah, delusion and illusion, yeah, yes, yeah. exactly, blind faith mm. and so on. And yeah. as the age draws to an end, as it has now, and overlaps with Aquarius, because there's always a long overlap period, um, the worst traits of the signs seem to be coming to the fore again. Mm. And it's the same, you know, it's the same with every cycle. You know, every year there's a sun cycle that begins on our birthday. And at the end of this, it can be a difficult time uh, just before the birthday, about six weeks before. Because it's like a, every new cycle is almost like a chance, if you like, to clear up mm. the, your karma, any yes. negative karma, mm. before you enter the positive new cycle. And it's the same with um, the cycle of each lifetime. Towards mm. the end of a life, we have this often a difficult time before we begin a new cycle. And when you think about an age, and it's so long, 2,150 years approximately, the negative period is, is much longer, especially if you look at the karma of humanity during that time, which has mm. been a bloody history, let's face it. And so it can be very intense. Yes. And it is very intense right now. Yeah. Yes, um, and, and, and also Pisces has yeah. got to do with emotion as well, and it's, um, well, because it's humanity we're talking about for the most part, it's kind of, um, because it's so intense right now, it's coming to the end of that age, it's uncontrolled emotion, isn't it? Um, Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Yes, instead mm-hmm. of the controlled emotion that Master Jesus taught. Mm. Yeah. 
Yes, and, you know, the Master Jesus, as we know, and we've heard in previous shows, he came in great sacrifice in order to die, to avert a catastrophe, a terrible mm-hmm. catastrophe, which bought us time, just as our Master came to buy us time. You know, these great ones, they come to buy us time, and then what do we do with the time? You know, mm-hmm. in looking at World War One alone, I was looking at it, 21 million people were killed, and in World War Two, 58 million people were killed. It's, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. It's quite crazy, isn't it? And to, to think that, you know, for the most part, you know, people follow, a, you say they follow a religion or, you know, that actually in essence teaches all the same things, love, peace, compassion, but yet we've got all these, this craziness. <laughs> that, I know, and, and of course, it's world the apart. really important thing too is we're on the brink of nuclear war, uh, we still are at this very moment, and we're still suffering from isotopes from nuclear experimentation in the 50s and 60s. And, of course, the Cosmic Masters, when they gave messages at that time, that was one of their main focus, uh, talking about that and the effects of that. And, of course, there's massive destruction of the oceans, the environment, cancer reigns, and our beliefs are falling away. And, you know, it's a time of great confusion. And I, I sometimes think, you know, it's like you put, like when you say you put a frog in a pot of water, and I hate to think of this, but slowly turning up the heat. Mm. Uh, and, and I feel that humanity is sort of like that, unless mm. we pay attention. So we, we really have to wake up now. Yes, absolutely. Up. We have yeah. to wake up. Do, do, do you think, Chrissy, that there's any uh, hope for humanity to change with all these things? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to focus on the negative because I definitely believe, and I know we believe in the ethereal society, we all do, that there is definitely hope. And the one thing that will save us, and I was thinking about this, and it sounds simplistic when I say it, but it is the energy of L-O-V-E, love. Because not only did Jesus, the cosmic avatar of love, we call him, understand and use this energy at its very highest level, He embodied this energy. But then Mm. Dr. George King, the master of this age, took this energy further in in a way and used this as as a tool for healing. He he sort of took the baton, if you like, I believe, from the master Mm. Jesus symbolically. And I think, and interestingly also, and I I had this thought, Sasha, I'd never thought of it before until a couple of months ago. Perhaps you have already, but the birth (laughs) of the master Jesus took place at the transition from the age um, of Aries to Pisces Mm. so it wasn't just from one sign to another but it was Mm. from the first sign of the zodiac to the last so therefore he came at the beginning of a 25,000 year cycle yeah Yeah. and I don't think there are any accidents in God's plan and it's like the Piscean age was the beginning of the rise of perhaps universal religions but the one thing the Master Jesus introduced I think the one thing that will endure is this thing, this energy of love. And I'm not saying there was never any love prior to Jesus. I'm just saying I believe uh, that he introduced a higher level. He, he embodied a higher level of love that perhaps on this planet we had not experienced before. I don't mm. know. But perhaps but, he, he demonstrated what love is because maybe perhaps we didn't really understand what true love is what what love is actually and we still don't understand yeah. it actually. yeah that's interesting yeah <laughs> we still don't understand this, it this, um, yeah. this sacrificing one's salvation you know this highest aspect he came which this the fact that he came then 
sort of just shows, gives you an idea of his status mm. and how he, this, this, what he introduced into this 25,000-year cycle will, will, you know, has, will last. It's our only hope, if you like. So this is our hope. You know. mm, absolutely. And and that love energy is certainly heard when you listen to the giving of the 12 blessings given by the Master Jesus. Um, you can feel that energy of love um, reverber- reverberating. And uh, the description of the blessing on love is, I recommend all listeners to really take a look at that, investigate the 12 blessings and practice it as well. Um, so... Yeah, very good point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you can actually, you know, it's strange how people come in perhaps the first time to a service and they hear one of the blessings which we play every single Sunday throughout the Assyria Society. <laughs> and they sort of, they just know it's the Master Jesus. Amazing. Without being told. strange, isn't it? Mm. Without being told, you know. They mm. know it because they mm. feel, as you say, mm. as I should be energy, feel it. That's amazing. It, exactly. That's what I felt when I was a little girl. That's what got me into the Ethereum Society. In the really? <laughs> That's what got me, yeah. Uh, just the, 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 the energy that I felt from listening to the, the, the essence or the energy of the Master Jesus giving the 12 blessings. It, it's, it's something undeniable. It just cemented it in, in for me. Yeah, so it's, um, it, it really does change your life. Um, and just another question, um, Chrissy. I, I know, I know. During the different ages, there are new influences to help humanity in his evolution. Um, can you sum up the main difference between the age of Pisces and the age of Aquarius? Yeah, there's a lot of differences, of course. But to sum it up very, very mm. briefly, I mm. think Pisces tends to say, "I believe," uh, has faith, in other words, mm. but. The age of Aquarius, people are wanting proof. They say, prove it to me scientifically. Mm, mm. Logic is, is coming in. And, of course, Dr. King was a logician. He was, sort of had this great logic, which you hear in his teachings, too. So mm. it's not saying that we forget, you know, we leave behind our faith, because each age builds upon another. But we mm. take the faith. Um, we still have the faith, but we're also, at the same time, we're introducing science, a more logical approach and, and understanding. Right. That's right, yeah. So it's, it's, that, that's a very good summary, actually, of those ages. <laughs> <laughs> Pisces, I believe, Aquarius, prove it to me. I like that. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> um, and um, do, you th- do you feel that the age of Aquarius has already begun, um, Chrissy? I do. I, I do, actually. And in fact... I mean, listening to some of the transmissions, there's several references to cosmic masters referring to the age that is breaking now or talking as if um, we are in the Aquarian age. Now, there's a debate amongst astrologers, as you probably know, uh, Sasha, and some believe it's not going to be again for hundreds of years. But several astrologers, Gosh. including myself, and I don't know about you, but I believe it started in the 50s. Oh, no, um, I, I, I definitely see it and feel it, yeah, I agree with you. You do, yeah, at <laughs> yeah. the time of the space age was one thing, and also the, you know, as far as we're concerned, uh, the command, the Ether- beginning of the Aetherius Society in London, and so on, so mm-hmm. in the 50s, I believe. And uh, also, you know, in the space age, that was interesting, because Aquarius is, is strongly linked to not only, like, new inventions, but also the ethers of space, flight, mm. and large groups of people. And when... 
the landing on the moon, and I was lucky enough to see that July wow. the 20th, 1969, mm-hmm. along with millions and millions of people together in a kind of a global citizenship when everybody was looking up, you know, wow. to something happening above. So it was like a very rare phenomenon, actually. Mm, very like unique. A sign. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and another sign, of course, was when our master, Dr. King, received the famous command that we've talked about from mm. the master Ethereus, which came out of the blue, you know, prepare yourself. You are to become the voice of interplanetary parliament. May the 8th, 1954. And it is difficult to pinpoint an exact age, but um, I think definitely it was the 1950s. Mm. And, um, makes sense, much, makes sense, yeah. Makes sense, yeah. And of yeah. course there's this cusp period, as you know, of uh, you know maybe 100 or so years, but definitely we're in the influence of this age. But um, our master, what he, one of the things he did, I believe, he laid the the spiritual foundations for this whole age, for the next 2,000 plus years. Um, and like, I mean, when you think about it, he, that's an incredible thing. And, but like all the great ones who came before, he wasn't revered as he should have been at the time. Mm, mm. But the world's not, the world was not quite ready. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. He was a pioneer, mm. you know, pioneers always lead the way, you know. Mm. Um, but he, is interesting because when you look at his life, he embodied all that is good in the sign of Aquarius, um, amongst many other things. Mm. I mean, he respected astrology too. At one time, he asked me to do um, a chart for one of his friends. He 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 respected astrology, but mm. he wasn't ruled by it yeah. um, at all. He was. Yeah. He, but I don't think I don't think anyone should be ruled by astrology anyway. I mean, that's well, the that's wrong kind of astrology. <laughs> That's a so, very good point, though. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is a it's, very useful tool, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and he so, he but, um he embodied so many of these Aquarian aspects. Um, he was at home in the realms of thought. Um, mm. Of course, Aquarius is an air uh, is an air element is the air element. Some people think of it as water, but it's air actually. <laughs> uh, yes. The symbol is the water bearer, but the waters coming are actually the the waters of truth. Um, which is something else. He had a great love for truth. He said, worship at the shrine of truth. Um, mm. He had very unusual mental powers, telepathy. He could create, he did create his inventions mm. in the ethers before bringing them into manifestation. His tremendous feats of creative visualization. He dreamed of a better world, as Aquarians tend to do, in more enlightened Aquarians, uh, mm. that we could live together as one brotherhood of man. And he really believed in and talked about the, the noble ideals of friendship, which is like the basis of brotherhood. Um, and he really wanted and made the Ethereal Society into a spiritual brotherhood. Mm. Um, yeah. So he's a real revolutionary, re- revolutionary, which is very Aquarian, very innovative, yes. Um, yeah. yes. scientific fact, as well. Scientific, well, spiritual sciences. Spiritual science exactly. scientist, yeah, yeah. And you know, he was, he was a he was a very spiritual man, but had a very practical spiritual side. He was, he gave us a way, all of us, that we mm. could bring about this change. And we, in his honor, in the Ethereal Society, call this the path of King Yoga, path of uh, spiritual development and world service. And um, he gave us this powerful way, so that we can finally, after thousands of years 
leave behind, you know, revenge and hatred and greed and selfishness and division. It's a big thing. Mm-hmm. And move forward and pick up this baton of love, if you like, and, and yes. use it, as Dr. Yeah. King taught us. So he was absolutely so Aquarian in many ways and yet so far above it, too. Mm. And he had many diverse sides, too. His, he was an inventor, which is very Aquarian, of these global healing missions. He was an occultist. He was a disciplinarian. That's the Saturnian side of Aquarius. He, was a, mm. he had this kind of real humor and also a lover of God who made that unconditional surrender. He was an immense character, as you've heard throughout these shows, vibrant and dynamic and always uh, alert and awake to his mission. Mm. But he, well, you know, he always thought thoughts on a grand scale. He was a visionary. And again, another hallmark of the enlightened Aquarius. And he, through his strict yoga discipline, he attained the highest states of consciousness. Um, his, he was a master. He was able to levitate, to dematerialize. Uh, this is before Incredible. even he, uh, the command. He'd leave his body at will. But basically, he was always seeking to serve. That was his main thing. He always wanted to do that. He knew that was the key rather than to focus on his own advancement. And then, of course, came the command in 1954. Mm. And I mean, it's, it's the humanit- humanitarianism of Aquarius that, that you know that 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 was that that's the focus. Um, that, that, well, that should be the focus of this age: service to others, yeah, humanitarianism. Service. Yeah, um, and which takes hard work and discipline. It's not. Uh, it's not uh, so much like that song. It's <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although it represents all the Aquarian things, uh, a lot of people think it's just going to happen. You know, just by sort of you know, I don't know, dreaming away. And <laughs> no, yeah, we have to put point. work into it. Yeah, and discipline. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, actually, this is a good time, I think, as I should have a break. Do you? Um, yes. I just realized it's <laughs> half past time flies. So, yes. Um, let's hand over to our producer, Noemi, uh, for the announcement. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Christian and Zasha. That sounds very fascinating. You are listening to a serious radio live with Chrissy Blaze and Zasha Bresley. The announcements are as follows. On Saturdays and Sundays at 5.30 p.m. local time, is our live online Twelve Blessings service, and you are warmly invited to join like-minded people around the world to join in to send out uplifting, healing energy to those who need it. For more information, please visit twelveblessings.org. That's 12 in digits. In Michigan, at the Assyrius Temple in Royal Oak, we've got two classes coming up with Chrissy and Gary Blaze. The first one is on Tuesday, 26th of March, from 7.30 p.m., and this will be on Chakras, your gateway to healing and enlightenment. And the second one will be on Saturday, 13th of April, from 2 p.m. to 4.30 p.m., and this class will be on Mantra, the sacred science of sound. In London, at the Assyrius Temple in Fulham, we will start our program of activities with a King Yoga Experience Evening with a topic on spiritual aliens, why are they here? And this will be presented by Mark Bennett on Tuesday, 9th of April, starting at 7 p.m. And of course, for more information, you can visit our website, assyrius.org forward slash locations, where you can also search for activities near you. 
The next A Serious Radio Live will be on Tuesday, 16th of April. And on topic, A Serious Society, The Karmic Factor, with hosts Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. And we'll be back at our usual time of 6 p.m. UK time. I'm now pleased to hand you back to Chrissy Blaze and Zasha Bresley. Thank, Thank you, you very Naomi. much, Naomi. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, uh, Chrissy, just uh, continuing on. Um, uh, out of the billions of souls on Earth, uh, why do you think uh, Dr. King was chosen to be primary terrestrial mental channel? Yeah, I mean, it's um, hard to, to lead this to understand age. that, but of course, that's a good question, because yeah. he was, I mean, in one sentence, because he was prepared for the task. He had done the groundwork. He, he was, in previous 10 years, he had become, through tremendous hard work, like 10 hours a day for 10 years, on top of a normal job, um, he had attained the highest states of enlightenment. He was a master of many yogas, and a karma yoga, Mantra yoga, Raja yoga, Nani yoga, one of his favorites, and Kundalini yoga, and was able to attain these elevated states of consciousness, consciousness at will, which is amazing, mm. which was essential for the messages he was about to receive. And he received, as we know, over 600 messages from cosmic intelligences. Mm. And he could, gain this, he could gain this rapport at any time of the day or night. Mm. And this was the, one of the reasons they were able to use him, because he was on call. He, was, he made this unconditional surrender to his mission. He put aside all his personal ambitions, and one of them was um, you know, to cure cancer and so on, and, which is very important, but he knew other people could do that, mm. to, to focus entirely on this. And because of the messages, we are now aware of um, many of the dangers of nuclear experimentation and so on and uh, uh, in the early days they gave proof of their existence through UFO forecasts which were later verified in the world's press and so on so he was ready he was prepared and they knew he had the will and the determination to do anything that was asked of him and he was asked to do many I mean many many things that who else on the world in the world was possibly um, capable of doing them Mm. So he was ready in every way. And and what about and what what kind of messages? Um, uh, what were the messages that brought through Dr. King? What uh, what did what did the cosmic masters sort of tell humanity or share with humanity? Yeah, I mean, as I say, six hundred. We've talked about them previous, and as you mentioned a little earlier, Zesha, the twelve blessings is one of the mm. main. Uh, teachings um, that were given in 1958 by the Master Jesus, um, and then also in 1961, uh, The Nine Freedoms, Man's Journey Through Evolution. I mean, the most important mm. book you could possibly have. Absolutely. Uh, please buy it. As Zasha urged people to get the 12 blessings. Absolutely. These two books alone will change your life. I mean, <laughs> you know, don't wait, because this yes. is life. This is a very important life. Mm. And these books uh, together will absolutely change your life for the better mm. and enable you to be whatever you're doing now. I would say if you're giving service, that's great, but this will help you so much in your service, in your healing. And these alone, these 21 cosmic revelations out of 600 that were given, you can imagine the body of, <laughs> of knowledge, of information, of wisdom. It's absolutely. unbelievable. 
And I think also the the other great thing about these teachings is that well, it's spiritual truth, but it it uh, it gives meaning and understanding to life because there's so many people throughout the world. It's just it's such a confusing mass of stuff everywhere, and things don't make sense, and people get very deluded and sidetracked and uh, go to into into a pit of despair almost. Um, because there is there is no truth. There's no there's no sense of it. Um, so these really, the, especially the nine, the nine freedoms, in this sense, really understands our place, we're, we're, why we're here, where we're going, you know, how we can, you know, evolve. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very good point. I mean, mm-hmm. there is so much confusion, and because so many people now class themselves as teachers. And in the past, that wasn't the case. You know, when I was young and looking for spiritual teachers or occult books, there really weren't that many. And Mm. now there are like thousands of people claiming to be teachers. So one has to really sort through them, as you say, with, you know, great discrimination, discernment and intuition to find the gems amidst the dust, I think. Yeah, and I I think one... You don't have to believe what we're saying, that these books are the gems, but... Just try them. Just investigate them yeah. for yourself. Mm. And experience for yourself as well. Um, experience approves a lot of things as well. Experience exactly, the power yeah. of the 12 blessings and uh, things like that. Uh, and, and you'll know. <laughs> you'll prove it to yourself. Um, and also the other thing is, you know, with talking about you know loads of different teachers and which is fantastic but it can also create quite a minefield because there's a lot of falseness as well and a lot of gray areas and it just confuses people but basically a good guiding guiding thing is is that uh, you just look at our master and you look at you know the discipline the rigid discipline he took on in order to train himself up to be, um, you know, a, a, a proper master. It was, you know, it's not not just taking a course. It's kind of, you know, much more involved, isn't it? Um, yes, absolutely. And and putting aside, like you said, um, personal ambition and and uh, and sa- sacrificing yourself for the good of the world. You know, that's that's a true master. Your own bliss. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. The greatest example of a master I've ever come across. <laughs> so, Me too. I know yeah. Amy would agree. <laughs> yes. Um, he he is he can be your master too. I mean, just find out all about him. This year is a very very significant year in the world, and also in your life. You're not listening by chance. You know, I always, mm. it's not by, nothing's by chance. Very good point. Very good point. You see, so. and um, you have talked about about the sign of Aquarius and how Dr. George King embodied the highest qualities of the sign. Um, what about the influence of the planets which rule each sign? Does, yeah, does that come thank you, Zasha. Um, mm. As you know, these are the two planets that rule sign co-rulers. They're called mm. Uranus, the planet of change, sudden change. Uh, revelation and revolution and Saturn, the traditional the planet more conservative actually in ancient astrology called the planet of karma but mm. it's known now as the planet uh, 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 the build, the build foundations, it's a traditional uh, conservative more conservative and there's other things too but I just want to say Uranus is a fascinating planet and you can see both sides in the master and you can when you learn about him and his work you see both sides, you've got Uranus is this is number one, a desire for truth, absolute truth, honest and authentic in every way. Dr. King was genuine, honest, authentic, 
mm. in every way, the most authentic person and master I have ever met, but the most authentic mm. person even. Um, and it's associated with revolution and revelation. And, you know, the masters are revolutionaries. The master Jesus, he came, he was a revolutionary. He, mm. After all, he scorned the hypocrisy of the moneylenders in the temple, if you remember that story, and overturned their tables. When you think about mm-hmm. doing that alone was an amazing thing. Mm. Um, and Dr. King turned the tables on hypocrisy in the mental realms. He, mm. You know, Uranus is as rules also all, everything that comes out of the blue it's very sudden if you have it active mm-hmm. in your chart through a transit things can happen very very suddenly out of the blue and when That's the master right. received the command it complained it was completely unexpected to him prepare mm-hmm. yourself you were to become the voice of interplanetary parliament had no idea what it meant <laughs> <laughs> really yeah it must have been quite, time, uh, quite something for our master to just suddenly just out of nowhere just yeah yeah, just, yeah. Wow. And it's the yeah. alchemical uh, planet, too. It's got the alchemical power to transmute and transform, uh, which he did. And in esoteric astrology, it's the higher aspect of Mercury. And it's, mm. more, it's more concerned with others. It's intuitive. It's the higher mind. It helps the individual merge into a group consciousness more. Mm. Um, and Saturn, as I say, it's almost the opposite, isn't it? It's the more conservative. <laughs> it's... Um, it represents control, hard work, attention to detail, discipline, sacrifice through limitation. Yeah. But it, it sounds like, oh, heavy, and it can be. But if you think about it, if we really want to achieve something, we have to, we have to use these qualities. And mm. that's why not many people, um, and you can prove me wrong, people listening, can achieve tremendous spiritual growth of substance, myself either. We may dream of a better world. But mm. Saturn is about building it, brick by mm-hmm. brick, and this is something mm-hmm. our master did. He built it. He didn't just dream about it. He built it. Um, and he, didn't, right. he, he used a Saturnian quality. He didn't take anything by chance. He, he, he dotted every I. He crossed every single T. And um, there's sometimes, like, you know, I worked for him as the um, typist and also mm. did some writing, too, which he edited. And one... I would walk up to his office from the shop and take dictation and write articles and so on. And everything he did was perfect. Every word, every comma, the structure of every sentence, because, of course, he was a great writer himself. But Mm. everything he did was tremendous pressure and hard work, very Saturnian. Um, Mm. He wanted us to be the same. He understood the importance. This is why he understood the importance of what we're doing. And he trained us to work hard. And, you know, he tolerated many things. He had the, the tolerance of a typical enlightened Aquarius, an understanding of people and their thoughts and failings. But one thing he didn't really accept was laziness. You know, he mm-hmm. wanted us to, uh, to work mm-hmm. hard. And he knew we were laying foundations and, um, you know, so on. And then, again, the next day you'd get the Aquarian influence. You'd get sudden things happening, like suddenly it's, one day it's the beginning of a global healing mission, like the Saturn mission. Um, in Scotland, where it would be all hands on deck, and and then the next day, perhaps, or the next year, it would be setting up something like the ecclesiastical structure, or the next day he'd be doing administration, or whatever. It, there's always something completely different, where he was, like, beginning something new. And, mm. um, you know, he had the high ideals of queries, but the practicality, very practical, uh, practicality of Saturn, to bring mm. them into manifestation. He was amazing. 
And also he had this humility, which was another quality of Saturn, a great humility and a great understanding of the need for protocol and uh, so on, which we hear also in the Masters when we listen to the um, transmissions, don't we? We hear their great sort of protocol with each other and... uh, Tremendous uh, respect. I mean, respect. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh. Tremendous respect. But I think that, that's it, it, again, Christy. That's just a fascinating. Um, again, I never thought thought about it like that. Um, I should have really, because I'm an astrology student. But uh, it's so very true that um, you know, you, it, it, our, our master certainly embodies those the the Uranus and Saturnian qualities, and actually. Uh, it's good that he he he's bringing them into the, this age or heralding in this age because we kind of we need that we need both the the, the discipline uh, in order to take make things happen to bring about action uh, in order to bring about the ideals of Aquarius so he kind of embodied and also put it into into our world those two those qualities. Um, which are so essential to work together. So the yin and yang, they have to work together. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was so fully alive every second of every day. He, <laughs> he wanted those around him and he wanted us now to be like that. He, he sort of woke mm. us from our slumbers. Because mm. most of us on this earth, um, we're half asleep, let's face it. We are. Um, we are. He taught yeah. us to control our moods, our thoughts, to act in a positive way and... And, um, and so on. It's a great thing about him. Many, many wonderful things, as we all know. Mm, incredible, incredible. And um, another impo- important aspect of the age of Aquarius is the bringing together of science and spirituality. Um, can you give examples of that, Chrissy? Yeah, thank you. As I say, in, in Aquarius, we, we, we want the proof. You know, it's a more scientific approach than uh, having the faith of Pisces. When I when I first heard about uh, Dr. King talking about the real energy crisis, where actually he first talked about it in the 1960s, I believe, um, he said it was he called it the spiritual energy crisis, and nobody else was talking about an energy crisis then. Mm-hmm. And um, he said this was the real energy crisis, more important than the shortage of oil and gas and other things, but this lack of spiritual energy. And then he went on to invent global healing missions which address this underlying crisis which is a lack of love if you like a lack of spiritual energy on this Mm -hmm. planet and because spiritual energy is another name for love and if you think about it on one level um beneath all the shortages uh there is this lack of love because there is enough to go around there's enough Mm. food there's enough of everything on this planet thanks to the beloved mother earth Mm-hmm. But there's selfishness and greed. It stops the flow, division. It stops the flow of other forms of energy. But his way of thinking was so different from anyone else. He, he sort of didn't start with preconceived ideas. But he created these new ways of thinking in the ethers. And one mission, which has really embodied this, of course, is the great Operation Prayer Power, which we do um, in five centers around the world. London, where you are, um, Royal Oak, Michigan, and Los Angeles, north of England, and Auckland, New Zealand. And we're lucky, we're fortunate enough to be able to participate in Operation Prayer Power because this mission, which he invented and inaugurated in 1973, uh, he's able to take the energy of love through um, the prayers of the people attending and the mantra 
the people attending and store it in equipment he invented, concentrate it, and use it for the benefit of others. I mean, this is really an amazing mission. Amazing, yeah. Since 1973, it's had a, a tremendous track record of, you know, stopping wars and fires when the energy is released, uh, as we call discharge of energy, floods, earthquakes, many other things. And it's interesting because with, with these kind of spiritual things, it's very hard to prove results. Mm. Very difficult. We know it works because we see it. We see the results. And we feel it. Years. And we feel but it. For an, I'm sorry? And we feel it as well. And we feel it. But one, I did have a proof, actually. I'd just like to, to talk about that briefly. Um, because one of the first discharges of energy from Operation Prayer Power in 1974 was sent to a war taking place between Turkey and Cyprus. There were 542 hours of prayer, prayer energy. I remember that because it was one of the very first. And energy was sent, discharged from Operation Prayer Power. And there was a ceasefire at this war almost immediately. Now you may think, well, that's just coincidence. But later in the 1980s, I was conducting a healing class for a man who, after the class, I told him about Operation Prayer Power. I don't know why, but just just one of those things, you know. And he said, my God, he said, I was fighting on the front lines of that war at Mm. the time. I was there fighting, he said, with my fellow soldiers. I was fighting. Mm. And he said, when the ceasefire came, we couldn't believe it. He said... This must be a gift from God. Wow. Because it was so unexpected. He said, I know that what you say is true. It's That's incredible, true. Chrissy. That's yeah, absolutely amazing. Wow. I was amazed. And first to hear time, that. First time. I know, wow. I'm sure if we could, you know, throughout the discharges, if we could, you know, speak to the people involved Travel. at the time, yeah, they exactly. would have similar reactions. Yes. So. Yes. You know, this was just one of the wonderful healing missions where he joined together science and spirituality. And in one of the transmissions uh, from the Master Jesus, he said, I think I'm paraphrasing, he said, science without love is like the soulless wanderer in the realms of night. Yet a warmth will come out of love to fashion it into a tool. And this is what our Master is doing. He's bringing together this warmth of love, spiritual energy, and science. Because without it, we see these advances now, which are very, very scary, which mm. lack this form. You know, I, I read recently that scientists um, say that by the end of the century, or before actually, many because they're always questing, searching for immortality, not realizing that we are, in fact, immortal, that many people would choose to transfer our bodies, our souls, actually, not our bodies, into a circuit board to achieve, oh attain gosh. immortality. Oh. Uh, convert ourselves into a sort of silicon chip is another thing I've heard. Completely missing out on the essential law mm. of karma and reincarnation. And so these things are very scary. Mm. And, uh, you know, in it previous civilizations, we've talked about, and this, we reached a high degree of scientific sophistication, but we were still backwards spiritually. And so mm. destroyed the planet, we destroyed civilizations, and, you know, here we are again. So it's very, very important that we don't do that. Mm, yeah, no, it is, it is it is frightening stuff, and and we also need to connect with love our, 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 ourselves because especially in this world where it's just so cold and zombified and you know cold science scientific without love, like you say, we need to use the spiritual energy 
um, so that we fill ourselves with love as well, so that we become warmer, as it were, so that we can spread this out as well to others who need this warmth, who need this light, who need this love. Um, it's very important um, because we can get carried away with it otherwise if we don't. Um, um, can you explain how Dr. King joined uh, spirituality and science for the Mother Earth? You were talking about the Mother Earth earlier. And, yes. Um, yeah. I want, yes, very, thank you very much. Dr. King mm -hmm. had a great love and understanding for the Mother Earth, which was actually uh, inspired him so much to want to perform, invent uh, some of the missions he did. And actually, in, certainly in ancient astrology, the planet Earth came under the domain of Aquarius uh, because the old astrologers believed it was the most sensitive and qualified sign for improving life on the planet. Mm. But Dr. King took this love and caring for the Earth so much further. He invented um, a global healing mission, and I do urge you to look it up on the website. It's called Operation Sunbeam, and we've talked about it previously. Um, spiritual energy is given to the Earth as a karmic benefit on behalf of mankind, a karmic manipulation. And so great did this mission become from its beginnings in 1966 that it was recognized by great masters from beyond this solar system and continues today and into the future with the assistance of these cosmic adepts. And without this great mission, where we finally, humanity is giving something back Give me a token. If you think about it, all we do is take from the Mother mm. Earth. We take, we take, we take all her fruits. We take it for granted that we have a home to go about our lives. To, But the Master never had that. He had a much uh, deeper understanding of the Earth. And so mm. this mission was born out of his great love. And I think, and I know, the world would have been much more devastated by catastrophes had this mission not been invented and continue to this day. Absolutely. Um, so he was a man of great power. He was extraordinary because he was originally from another planet, as we heard in previous shows, with all the powers of a great adept. And yet, like Jesus, he came to be born in sacrifice um, through the womb of a woman to help raise us, to share in our karma, and so on. He sacrificed so much for us. And... Um, I think we're coming to the end now. But I'd just like uh -huh. to say one thing. Um, you know, this this was the way he was. He he walked with God and the Great Ones, and we're so fortunate uh, then and now to walk in his shadow and catch a glimpse of what's really going on in this world, what's really important, not the dim reflections of materialism that we see, mm. but a glimpse of the true glory of the cosmic plan for our enlightenment, which was put into place by the Ancient Ones. And he was, you know, we're a group of people in the Ethereum Society. We're dedicated to helping the world. This is mm. our focus, all the mm. members of the Ethereum Society. We're not perfect. We have our faults and weaknesses. But what really motivates us is this desire to help others that we've been taught so much by our master as the example. We mm. want to be a part of the solution. And the great thing is that... I'm inviting all listeners to join us because we need you. We need you. The world needs you. And um, Dr. King has given us this path, you know, and, and, you know, he was this very human man, more human than anyone else I've ever met. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he was a great avatar from another world. 
And just as he's changed my life, and I know he's changed the lives of Zasha and Noemi and others in the Etheria Society, we're so fortunate to know him, to love him, um, and, and have this path to help our world. He, he, he's made such an enormous difference. He's given meaning and purpose and fulfillment uh, and so on. And I know, I think... Um, Zasha, absolutely. I know that you'd say the same. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I don't know where we'd be without him, I and mean, we were extremely fortunate. But uh, we don't have to be the fortunate few. Our listeners, exactly, that's your call to action, as Christy says. You know, investigate and find out and experience and prove the, these things for yourself. Um, it really, you know, you will, you will, your life will change for the better if you, if you uh, look into this, if you take the time. <laughs> yeah. Thank so, you. Well, thank you very much, Sasha. I think I'll, we're coming to the end now, and I think we should hand over to our producer, Amy Bates, and to give us once again the announcement. But thank you, everybody listening um, so much, and we do invite you in this important year for the society and for all the world, I, I do maintain, to investigate us, to uh, at least look at our website and with an open mind and heart and realize there's so much more than you could ever dream of mm. uh, that's happening, really happening in our world. And the great ones are here. They're helping us. We just need to hold out our hand and they'll be there. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Christy. It was great. <laughs> Thank you. And to you. Thank you. <clears throat> Pleasure. Thank you very much to Christy and Zasha for a very interesting and inspiring show. The next Aetherius Radio Live will be on Tuesday, 16th of April, with Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze, and they will be speaking about Aetherius Society, the karmic factor. And you can always find out more on the facts and publications mentioned in the show by visiting Aetherius.org. You can also connect with Chrissy through her website at chrissyblaze.com. We hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.